Hey everybody, it's Linnea again uh, with uh, Getting High with True Crime. So tonight's going to be a little different than last time. It's a little bit longer of an episode. Uh, also, I am co-hostless tonight, so it is just me and my high. So right now, um, let's see uh, how this goes. So case is about um, another Alberta person, uh, Alberta, Canada, and his name is Mark Twitchell. Now, this is kind of an interesting one. I think this is actually one of the very first cases I ever listened uh, to another podcast about. Um, and I kind of, it kind of drew me in a little bit and it really made me interested in more of listening to like all the the podcast stuff not just like the tv documentaries and that but like actually going out and searching different true crime podcasts to listen to and kind of help kick up my already my curiosity with true crime stories and cases in general so so let's uh get into this Well, this is probably one of the first cases involving someone from my home province. Okay, so I wrote this episode, God, back before, like, a year ago, at least, almost two years ago, I guess. Um, So some of it's worded a little bit funny, but yeah. So anyways, so another person from my home province. Uh, this case took place not far from us just over an hour's drive away so with that knowledge let's learn about Mark Twitchell Mr. Wannabe Mark Twitchell was born in Edmonton, Alberta on July 4th of 1979 Edmonton is the capital city of Alberta um, and it boasts one of the world's biggest shopping malls uh, known as West Edmonton Mall it is also the northernmost American city with a population over 1 million. So, I mean, North American. Um, but yeah, it has a population of over 1 million people. Edmonton is home to the NHL team, the Edmonton Oilers, the rival team to our other Alberta NHL team, the Calgary Flames. Woot woot. I mean, it's in my blood. I have to. <laughs> So anyways, uh, Edmonton also has over 70 golf courses in the metropolitan area. So let's get on with the story of Mark. So Mark was known to be a nerdy type guy into cosplay and movies. He wanted to be a filmmaker and gra- after graduating from high school. So Mark enrolled in the radio and TV arts program at Nate. Uh, Mark was known by others to be a bit of a loner. Uh, After finishing his programs at Nate, he graduated in 2000. So he graduated in 2000 uh, when I was graduating from high school, same year. Mark was quite the social butterfly online, spending lots of time in chat rooms and had many profiles on different dating sites. It was one of those dating sites that he met Megan Castorella. They chatted online for a while. She liked his profile, and after a bit, she ended up moving to Edmonton, where she and Mark got married. Their marriage was not the perfect marriage. Mark was a prolific liar and was known to cheat on Megan. Did I do that? Yeah. No. Yes. 
Yes, Megan. I for some reason thought I said Morgan before. Anyways, <laughs> Mark seemed to really enjoy uh, catfishing people online, as one liar would. Uh, <laughs> he used a number of fake profiles to fool other online chatters into believing he was someone else. Megan had an interview, and after Mark had been caught for his crimes, uh, with Bob McEwen of the Fifth Estate... Uh, where she said that Mark had once asked her if she had ever thought of killing someone. She also revealed that he had thought of finding a homeless person and killing them so no one would know who they were. Mark and Megan moved to Peoria, Iowa. Mark was able to find work, but after much trouble with their marriage, Megan ended up divorcing Mark in 2004. Mark ended up moving back to Edmonton, where he pursued his film career. He always wanted to have... Um, he also dived right back into trolling for a new love interest on dating sites. He met his next love interest, Jess, on the dating site Plenty of Fish. Uh, anybody my age, uh, so 40-ish, we all know Plenty of Fish. Like, we know people who have dated or met people on Plenty of Fish, and you'd always know uh, that you go to a local Tim Hortons on late on a evening and you'd always see a couple awkward looking couples around in Tim Hortons having coffee with each other and if you listen very carefully you could always uh hear their conversations and some of them you could start to tell they were talking about their dating profiles and you know what each other's interests were so it was like all these plenty of fish dates it was kind of funny I always made fun of those people sorry <laughs> anyways um it was not long after that Jess and Mark got married and started a family. Did not take long before Mark's talent for making up lies started again. He used his skills for bending the truth to acquire a mortgage to buy their house. Like, how does somebody do that? Mark started pouring any of his new money uh, into, the into his next film. He did not care that he could not make money with his new film due to some infringements on a very popular movie franchise. He considered this film more of an advertisement of his skills as a filmmaker. Mark was able to convince investors to support his film, but then he would use the money to pay for his bills instead of the film itself. <clears throat> Mark and Jess's marriage was becoming strained because Jess kept watching, uh, catching Mark in his lies. They tried attending counseling, but that was not working as Mark was putting in little to no effort in their counseling sessions. Not long after, Mark started to write another movie called House of Cards, not to be confused with the TV show with Kevin Spacey. In the movie, the plot was that a man falls victim to a woman who catfishes him. The victim plans a meeting with the girl and goes to meet her at a garage, but ends up tied up, tortured, and eventually killed by a man who is doing research for his new film. Hmm. A little suspect, uh, suspicious. Jeez. Um, now entering the plot, we meet at, uh, Gilles, oh my god. I should not have done this high, I swear. Okay, anyways, Jill, who on October 3rd, 2008, was lured by a woman on Plenty of Fish named Spiderwebs with two Zs. Because, you know, extra cool. Uh, he felt a connection to Spiderwebs, whose real name was Sheena. 
Jill and Sheena made plans to do dinner in a movie. Sheena told Jill uh, that he had to go through the garage to get her door, which to anyone who had lis- uh, who has listened into many true crime podcasts like me seems super sketchy and my danger meter is at its max. But Jill did not see red- the red flags and how this was turning into the most bizarre situation ever. Jill entered the garage and reached for the other door just as someone grabbed his arm and he was hit in the back of the head when tased several times in the chest. He was able to get a look at his assailant. They were wearing a goalie mask. He, his attacker then drew a gun and demanded Jill lay on the ground, to which he complied. An opportunity presented itself and Jill got up and faced his attacker, then noticing that the gun was actually made of plastic. After exchanging some blows with the attacker, Jill was able to escape and run away. As he ran down the street, he came across a couple out for a walk and asked them for help. His attacker showed up and acted as though nothing was going on and proceeded to ask Jill to come back with him. Jill refused and made his way back to his truck. He left and later on checked plenty of fish to review the messages from Sheena, but discovered instead that Sheena's profile had disappeared. Mark created a new profile on October 9th. For a girl named Jen, he was used to catfish. His next victim, Johnny Altinger. Uh, Yeah, okay. Johnny was excited about this new girl he was chatting with. He sent the girl's profile information to his friend, mentioning that it was a little odd that she wouldn't give him her phone number. His friend thought that sounded odd as well, and that she would only communicate through email. He asked Johnny to send him the address of this girl's place when Johnny got there to meet her. You know, you know, as friends do. Like, you go out for a date with somebody, first date, whatever. Usually you're going to tell somebody, you know, just in case. I mean, I know for me it's always been out of habit. Um, just because, I don't know, I always thought, hey, you know, just in case I go missing. It's kind of one of those things. Just, you know, be safe when you go out there meeting new people. You never know, they might be the next Mark Twitchell. Okay, so this time, Mark was more prepared. He covered the garage in plastic, much like Dexter from the TV show did. And when Johnny arrived, he was confused by the appearance of the garage. Mark was there and lied to Johnny saying that Jen was out, but that she would be back soon and that Johnny was welcome to wait for her if he liked. Johnny said no thanks and left. He phoned his friend and explained what had he had come across. He proceeded to drive home. And when he got home, he contacted Jen and she replied just a few minutes later, saying that she was now home and that he should still come over. Johnny let his friend know of the situation, that he was heading back to Jen's now and that she was home. That was the last time his friend would talk with the real Johnny. A few days went by and there were no updates from Johnny about his date. Uh, how his date had gone. Finally, friends received an email from Johnny stating that he was going to Costa Rica and went uh, with Jen for a few months. They seemed to be verified by posts on his Facebook profile. His, uh, oh yeah, his Plenty of Fish profile was also deleted. So to the others, things seemed pretty serious between the two lovebirds. 
all this seemed out of character to Johnny's friends, and they insisted that something wasn't right and contacted the police. As you should. Uh, the police said there was m- wasn't much that they could do at this point, so his friends uh, decided to go check out his apartment themselves. Johnny's friends got into his apartment and searched it. They discovered that his suitcase and passport were still there. A little weird, considering you need those to go fly out of the country. Uh, yeah. And that... Suitcase passport. Still there. And that didn't make any sense based on his email. His friend also noticed that his computer and printer were missing. They reported these findings to the police, who then took his friend's claims more seriously. After doing some research and discovering that Mark was renting the garage that was at that address that Johnny had given his friend, they started questioning him, asking things like when he had last been there. When Mark met the police at the garage, he noted that the lock on the door seemed to be different than the one he had used. The cops cut the lock and went inside. Uh, yeah. Once inside, they found a burn barrel, and the garage had an overwhelming smell uh, burnt smell, uh, and also it smelled a bit of gasoline. They also found a receipt for cleaning supplies, gloves, a plastic sheet, and a heavy-duty cleaner dated for October 15th. There was also a pile of cleaning supplies that matched this receipt. Mark was then taken into custody for questioning by the Edmonton police. After interrogating Mark, he was released and police started gathering evidence based on what they found in the garage uh, and what Mark had told them during the interview. He was, he was their suspect. On October 31st, Halloween, my grandpa's birthday, Mark met with a new film investor. The film investor was actually an undercover cop. Mark was arrested and his computer seized, and on that computer, a document was found that described the attacks on both Jill and Johnny. The document stated that it was based on true facts. It entailed telling the story of how the main character became a serial killer. During all of this, Mark's wife, Jess, divorced him. At the trial, Mark tried to claim that it was all self-defense. The jury did not believe a word of it, and Mark was found guilty of murder. He was sentenced to 25 years before being allowed to get parole. Uh, Mark is still putting himself out there from behind bars. He has a profile on CanadianInmatesConnect.com. And I have his profile right here. I uh, looked it up and uh, found it. And so uh, let's take a little read. See what Mark thinks of himself. Because all these profiles on that website... They're actually written by the inmate themselves. Pause one sec. I got to take a drink here. Okay. Yes. So he actually wrote this himself. So these are the words of Mark Twitchell. Okay. Name. Mark Twitchell. Institution. Says where he's staying at. Uh, His date of birth. July 4th, 1979. Convicted of murder so at least they state what they did to get in there expected release date there's the year 2027 so not far off interesting corresponding with women i was tentative about reaching out because i thought i couldn't offer much and doubled anyone 
uh, oh, doubted anyone could look past my reputation to see the human being. But, but trying it definitely worthwhile is worthwhile if it means finding just one meaningful, mutually fulfilling friendship. Yeah, if he doesn't fucking kill you later. My crime doesn't define who I am, who I am or represent me at all. I made some terrible, regrettable choices in the past and I've come to terms with the consequences. Now I seek to infuse purpose into my life. Connection is a huge part of that. My creative engine never slows, so I produce artwork constantly and craft novels or screenplays to manifest my relentless imagination. I'm insightful, passionate, and philosophical with a great sense of humor. <laughs> so funny that you tried to kill people and you killed another guy. Jeez. Um, I enjoy tennis, chess, and clever storytelling. I love the rain and the music of artists like Sia. Jackie Ivancho and Arcade Fire. I'm looking for an interesting, intelligent, open-minded, delightfully imperfect woman to relate to and share amusing observations with, as well as potentially a long weekend every few months if it gets there naturally. <laughs> Gross. So, um, yeah, apparently potential like i mean i know this is supposed to be like a pen pal thing but obviously it's it's not far off from a dating site Ugh, gross I, I will never never ever understand how women fall in love with inmates especially um women who fall in love with men who kill their wives or their families Ugh, i really don't get it i don't anyways so, Mark's expected release date is not until the year 2027. So, it's a little bit away and honestly, maybe, ugh, I just, hopefully he just never comes back to uh, Alberta, this province. He can go fuck off somewhere. Just gross. And, and such, such a wannabe. Like, he's, um, there were facts, he had watched Dexter. He had watched a TV show and loved it and wanted to emulate it so that's where he got a lot of his insp inspiration for his crimes so with that that is uh mark twitchell mr wannabe um i don't know about you guys but i know we're heading into that last stretch of february God, it's like February's flown by so quickly. Ugh. But I hope you guys are all going to have a good week. Uh, I know I have next week off work. I'm going to have some fun hang out with my kidlet. We'll go do some fun things because her big sister's off with her dad. Off on a holiday. They have no school, so they can do whatever. And uh, I took the week off work so I could be with my kid. And we'll probably go do a few fun things, but this weekend, tomorrow, actually, I will be going ice fishing out at Sylvan Lake. It'll be fun. There's a big family day weekend um, heading out there going on. I guess there's fireworks and stuff if we stay late, so that's kind of cool. It's always fun every year. Nice part is no need no, sorry no fishing license needed, so it helps encourage a lot of people to go out and try something new um and for anybody who's never done ice fishing 
Uh, the thought of sitting on top of ice, staring down a hole if you don't have a camera. If you have a camera, it's like watching fish TV. Um, you might find that boring. It's actually a lot more fun than you'd think. And even if you don't catch anything, as long as you had like a little bit of nibbles or, you know, close calls stuff, it's it, it's entertaining. It's can be fun, relaxing. I know I am so at peace when I'm out there. And uh, yeah, it's going to be fun. So hope you guys all have a great weekend. Uh, if anybody wants to check out uh, my socials for getting high with true crime, uh, we uh, we do have a page on Facebook right now. I have a TikTok account, but I haven't really done anything with it yet. So again, I kind of did the launch before I had everything else all set up and good to go. But uh, yeah, if you have any suggestions or want to ask any questions, feel free to go check out my page, Getting High with True Crime on Facebook. And also, word of mouth, spread the, spread the word. I know I'm kind of an amateur. I know this sounds really weird. And sometimes I really think I sound like a child on these recordings. Like I sound like a little kid. But um, I don't know, maybe somebody's laughing at me right now because I'm being a total moron. <laughs> uh but yeah, just, just share, share it with others. Let's get the word out there. I've already had, um, when I look at my analytics, uh, first person outside of Canada was one person in Australia. So whoever you are, thank you. You rock. Um, and then there was also some in Singapore and Belgium last I checked, but I didn't check it all yet today. So, but I've already had more of a response than I kind of honestly thought I would putting myself out there like that. Um, I have huge imposter syndrome, uh, even doing this. And after the release of the last one and feeling comfortable with how I did it, I just, I still have that feeling and it's something that I don't know if I'll ever get over it completely, but, uh, Thank you, everyone, who's listened so far. And uh, sorry about all my weirdness tonight. I'm nervous and rambling at this point. So, hey, have a good weekend, guys. See you next week.